My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. I was sat in the other night watching Countrywise on BBC TV and was surprised to see a feature on the River Yarrow very close to where I live, showing off work done by a group known as Friends of the River Yarrow, or Fry, as an object lesson in reversing urban neglect to produce a shining example of restoration, quite literally from running sewer to running salmon. The interviewee in this case was angler and conservationist John Bamford, who lives probably no more than 10 minutes up the road from me. So, after a swift bit of online research, I was able to both track down and make contact with John, culminating in us both getting our heads together here today to talk through the river's progress back to full health and a thriving mixed fishery, thanks to the varied skills and persistence of what is at the end of the day a voluntary group with a wide range of vested interests. Whether it will stay that way, slip back or even improve is down to both the continued hard work of the group and the agenda, some of which is up for discussion here. But, first things first, give us a bit of a history behind the river itself, leading up to the dissatisfaction of those individuals willing to fight and work on its behalf. Right, well I was born in this area, I've lived only a matter of miles from the River Yarrow. I'm now 69 and I remember the River Yarrow as it was, a glistening silver stream running through pleasant pasture land. Lots of fishing, roach, dates, perch... I used to go fishing with my father, and it was a lovely, lovely river. And then, unfortunately, industrialisation at the top of the river, via Black Brook, was terribly polluted, and within months it killed all the fish. It just became an open sewer. Um, the river changed colours on a number of times. It would be black, green, blue, whatever they were using in the dye works, and that was what was coming through the river. Nobody seemed to take... A lot of interest, unfortunately. Obviously, people were too busy and there wasn't a lot of, um, how can we say, central government push for the environment, etc. It was more to do with employment and people and money. And uh, it just went down and down and down. And as I say, I've lived within two or three miles all my life and I know the river and I know what it used to be like and it was heartbreaking to see it degenerate into virtually an open sewer. Presumably, before the pollution effectively split it into two separate environments roughly either side of the M61 motorway, fish would have been distributed throughout its entire length in a typical gradation, starting with trout and bullheads in the upland regions draining the edge of the Pennine Moors, through to the lowland agricultural areas of the Lancashire Plain, with Chorley, which was after all the main point source of pollution, sandwiched somewhere in between. Well, when I was a, a young boy, there was trout in, but not a lot of trout. The trout would tend to be at the top end of the Yarrow. Basically, there were bullheads, perch, roach, dace and chub. Those were the main species. And, of course, we got a lot of eels going up the river, which was nice to see. But as I say, that all got destroyed with the pollution. So those were the main types. From the junction of the um, Black Brook and the Yarrow, that's where the trout were. Following that down, it was, as I said, chub, dace, roach, perch, all beautiful fish, eels, and plenty of wildlife. Dippers, kingfishers, herons, water hens, coots. It was a living river. And as you got further downstream, closer to where it joins the River Douglas, let's not forget the old Mill Cove at Croston too, where as a kid, I used to fish for flounders below the weir. Yes, that's right. And in fact, 
skipping 50 years now. There's a lot of flounders down at that area, down at Millcore, and there's some lovely chub. Chub up to £4, £5. Really, really big fish. And that's nice to see, but they do catch flounders at Millcore. During my time at the Environment Agency, I well remember visiting quite a wide range of industrial and agricultural premises on the Upper Yarra catchment throughout the 1990s, some culminating in prosecutions and always triggered by complaints from members of the public. So people have been vocally unhappy about the state of the river and its trips for quite a long time, which presumably is what led to the formation of Friends of the Yarrow back in the year 2000. Well, as I say, from the 1950s up through to the 1980s, it was in a poor state. It was only when the, um, the old river board came into existence that they started to get a little bit of teeth to prosecute, etc. This is where you were coming, presumably. Well, prior to 1989, North West Water Authority ran the whole show, at which point it was broken up into the treatment delivery side and my employer, the National Rivers Authority, which would later become a part of the Environment Agency. Well, prior to that, you know yourself, there was very little enforcement going on. And what happened was, when I retired, the river was cleaning up then through um, industrial closure, really. The main pollutants at the top of the Yarrow closed down and the old pollution was uh, beginning to uh, subside. All the dye works and carpet factories, etc., closed down, which was a natural process for the river to start cleaning itself up. And now I got involved was, on the River Yarrow, there were four major weirs. One at Millcore, one at Pincock, one at Burkeacre, and one at Duxbury. Now, fish could ascend the ones at Millcore and at Pincock if there was a big flood and sea trout and salmon could ascend that. However, they couldn't get past Burkeacre because that's a 12-foot weir. And uh, I'd only been retired out a few weeks and I was down on the river with my brothers. We were having a walk on Saturday morning, it was. It was in autumn and we'd heard tales of fish trying to leak the weir and we were there and lo and behold, there was a salmon. I would estimate between six to eight pound. Lovely fresh silver salmon trying to get up this impossible pass this weir. They kept just banging on the rocks and falling down and banging again. And I thought, oh gosh, what a state. And of course, the river was clean enough then to enable fish to live in the water. So anyway, I reported it to the environmental agency when I got home. And they reported it to a chap called Mr. Mike Callery, who was one of the founding members of Fry, Friends of the River Yarrow. This was in 2001. I'd never heard of Fry. In fact, it'd only been going a matter of weeks. But they'd obviously made contact with the environmental agency and see how they could improve the river. So Mike Callery phoned me up and said he was most interested in what I'd seen and would I come to a meeting that we're having to explain. And there was only three or four of us at the meeting because it was embryonic at that stage. So I told him what I'd seen and they told me what they were planning for the river. And I immediately got involved and um, I've been a keen member, committee member ever since. And what we've done is we've built four fish passes, one at Pincock, one at Millcore, one at Burkeacre and one at Duxbury. Over a matter of four years we built those fish passes. We got funding from the Lancashire Environmental Fund and joint funding with the Environmental Agency. And we, with the aid of the Environmental Agency, got these fish passes installed, got them passed by the Environmental Agency as fit for purpose. 
and we've continued to clean up the arrow by um, buffer stripping. We've buffer stripped some 20 miles of the river and planted over 5,000 trees, which all helps the environmental corridor that the river is and watch the river come back to life. We've got a very keen membership that reports any pollution and slowly the river's come back to life. Not quite to its former glory, but I would say we're 80% there. And for those that may not know, can you explain a little more about the practicalities and disadvantages of buffer stripping? If there's no fence along the river and the farmer has cattle and sheep on the bank, then they wander down to the river and erode the bank, eat any wildlife, any flowers that are growing there. So what we've done in conjunction with the farmers, and they've been very, very helpful, we've negotiated a strip of land which is approximately three metres from the water's edge and we've put new fencing along and planted trees. So the, the farm animals can't get down to the river, so consequently there's a lot of wildflowers, wild grass seeds, etc. growing there, which helps to clean the river and also prevent bank erosion by the farm animals. And along that buffer stripping, we've planted over 5,000 trees. Again, to all the bank in situ and to help with the wildlife, the owls, the bats, all the wildlife that's associated with trees. And we've now got voles and what have you in the undergrowth. And there's no animals eat it. So if you go down in summer, it's two and three foot high. Plenty of wildlife in there. And as I said, we've had very, very uh, good cooperation with the farmers because they're getting a new fence. Again, this was joint funded by the EA and the Lancashire Environmental Fund. Yeah, we've had a good response from the farmers. I interviewed Mike Weaver from the Wild Trout Trust recently. And it sounds to me that like what you're doing locally is very similar to what they're trying to promote on a national basis, including the Trout in the Town project run in our area by Dr Paul Gaskell, who have also recorded an interview with for this archive. But would I be right in thinking that when you have a group formed such as Friends of the Yarrow, with possibly a more diverse agenda, defining the important objectives might not be as clear-cut? So how do you go about getting your consensus view? A good question. Um, it's mainly done by word of mouth. As a group, we have one overriding objective, and that is to improve the environment of the river. And there's no hidden agenda by anybody, by any committee member. They're all focused on improving the water quality of the river and its immediate environment. So there are no issues there. With regards to uh, funding, we used to get a lot of funding from the Lancashire Environmental Fund. LEF and the EA. Unfortunately, due to the um, cutbacks, our funding has dried up somewhat. But in saying that our major projects are completed with regards to buff stripping, tree planting and the fish passes, there are one or two other instances where we need to take action. At the top of the river, there's a brook called Ella Brook that runs through... Adlington and comes under the uh, the Wigan Road, Wigan Lane, and it skirts past the old workings of the mine, Ellerback Coal Mine, which has been closed for a number of years now, 30, 40 years. But what's happening is there's a lot of leaching coming out of the old pit rocks, slag eats, whatever you want to call them, and it's leaching into Ellerbrook, which trittles down into the Yarrow, and is one of our major sources of pollution yet. Now, We've done quite a lot of work on that with regards to the Coal Authority. If you cast your mind back to the NCB, National Coal Board, they owned all that land. But central government, in the wisdom, 
decreed that all local authorities should buy these slag heaps and Charlieborough Council was forced to buy Ellebeck. Consequently, there was no central funding to clean up these slag heaps. So Charlieborough Council is left with this slag heap that is leaching heavy metals etc into the water. The NCB is now defunct, it's called the Coal Authority. We contacted the Coal Authority and they've been very good. They've been up and done surveys and we've got plans to build a big reed bed at the base. We were going to um, dissipate the, the water from the river and plant a big reed bed, inflow and outflow, and the reed beds would purify or take a lot of the nasties out of the water. And we'd costed it all up and it was going to cost something like 120000 to put this reed bed in and to get it working properly. And we were just on the point of going ahead with it. We got £10,000 from Charlieborough Council and we got the remaining 110000 from the LEF and the Environmental Agency. Then the money was pulled from the Environmental Agency and it just collapsed with no money to go forward. But that is still on the agenda and it's still on the books with the Environmental Agency. But just at present, there's no funding. I mean, the Environmental Agency has taken a bigger hit this time on government cutbacks than any other department. I think they've had 9 or 10% reduction in the budget. And the LEF have been running short of money because, again, of central funding. That's come down. So that is one of our main issues to get resolved. But at present, we have no funding. But we keep on with the Environmental Agency in the form of Darren Wilson, who's the fisheries officer, who's been a, a godsend to friends of the River Yarrow. He has really been, how can we say, one of the main drivers for the Environmental Agency to make sure that we get the funding. And he's keeping his eye open for any pots of money that come. There is a list of pollution uh, projects, and we're on that list, and he's doing his best to get some money. But at present, we can't get any money. It's not only a, a too detrimental effect on the Yarrow, but it does need addressing. And while we're on with pollution... We've had major cooperation by United Utilities. At present, there are 22 outflows into the Yarrow of storm overflows. But United Utilities, in the process, they've got a five-year plan of spending almost £7 million in cleaning up the River Yarrow. They've just undertaken a major one at Charnet Richard to clean up Clankett Brook. I don't know what that project costs, but I would imagine it's substantial. They have committed six and a half million to seven million to clean up the arrow. So that is another major step. Unfortunately, the funding hasn't been pulled on that because it's a private company and it's part of their water frame directive project. And that is a major, major step by United Utilities. Because what used to happen with various uh, tributaries of the arrow, if there was a flood, the sewers couldn't take it and it used to go into the arrow. But now they're making major storm overflows. The one in Charnock, I think I'm right in saying it's 8,000 square metres of overflow that it'll take before a drop goes into Clankett Brook, which means that there's no sewage now going into Clankett Brook, which goes into the Arrow. So that will clean up of its own accord as time progresses. But that is now in operation, the new storage tanks. I well remember locking horns with United Utilities on a number of occasions regarding the storm sewer overflow to the River Chore in Astley Park and also at the sewage works just down the way, both of which would ultimately end up polluting the Yarrow. So let's be clear cut here about all the big water companies. It isn't necessarily the case that they want to help, rather that they feel a need to help just to keep themselves within the law. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, they have their um, guidelines and restrictions of what they're allowed to pump in, but we have it on good authority. If Friends of the River Yarrow hadn't been pressure-pointing United Utilities, that money would have gone elsewhere. And we're just grateful that they have put the money into cleaning up the Yarrow even more, and it will benefit in the next five to six years. The river will be even cleaner than what it is now, and it's really clean now. So, yeah, we can always thank United Utilities... And again, we've got a very good person, a lady called Claire Mallard, who is very, very keen. She attends all our committee meetings and she's um, very proactive in pushing forward the cleanup of the Yarrow. And as I said, the fish that are running up the Yarrow now is tremendous. We get sea trout, loads of brown trout, because the brown trout are indigenous to the Yarrow because they survived because they were above the pollution. And what's happened now is the rivers got clean the trout have moved further down, the coarse fish have moved further up, and it is a real gem to see all the fish that are in there. You can go to Town Bridge in Croston, look over, and you'll see shoals of chub up to £4. Tremendous fish. And all along the Yarra Valley Park, in summer and spring, you can see trout topping, taking flies, the kingfish up and down the dippers. It really is a success story. And it's due to Friends of the River Yarrow, Charlieborough Council, United Utilities and the Environmental Agency all working with the same objective of cleaning up the river. Water quality aside now, what other physical improvements are there in the pipeline, such as approved structural alterations or creating pools, riffles and other in-river habitat variations? Well, we know plans to create any riffles because there's, there's plenty uh, in existence. We just have to keep well in with the farmers to make sure that the fencing is kept up to speed, planting trees when um, we think it's necessary. We have just done a big project in the last uh, two years at a, a farm called Oldshaw Green Farm where we'd done the buffer stripping. Uh, we hadn't planted the trees, fortunately. We'd done the fencing. And during the winter of 2010-2011, major flood washed all our fencing away. About 20, 30, 40 metres of fencing came away. We had to get the environmental agency to come down and say, this is what we're wanting to do. We wanted to divert the river because it was coming down and it was turning a right angle on its floor and that right angle was just eating away into the field because it was very, very sandy. So what we did was it cost us about £3,000 and Fry paid for that. We altered the course of the river. We took the bend off, basically, and now uh, it's just a little S-shape which had glide through. Once that had been done, we graded the bank at 45 degrees, as the environmental agency had suggested, reseeded it and planted trees. And uh, that, again, is a success story. So anything like that, we're on to it. All the fish passes are done now. It's just a matter of maintaining them. There are no more obstacles to stop migratory fish going up. So all that's done. Our future now is to make sure that we keep people's awareness of the river to keep it clean. We need to uh, sort out Ellerbrook when we get the funds. So that's a major problem. And then it's just a matter of educating people. What we're, what we're going to do next year is start to go around to schools. We have um, a slideshow that we can put on for the children. We've done two or three schools, but we're going to do a, a big drive next year to do more with our present chairman, Mr Alan Whitaker, who took over from Mike Callery. Mike had done 10 years and he's 82 now, so he, he felt he'd done his share. And Alan Whitaker stepped into the shoes and he's doing a, a good job, a fantastic job in driving it forward. We have a good committee. John Twin is the treasurer. 
Then we have three or four other committee members that are the driving force for Fry. And all of our committee uh, meetings are attended by United Utilities and the Environmental Agency. And uh, together we hope to move forward in unison to keep the river, improve it. Nearly all the buffing stripping's done now because once you come through to Chorley, it's natural wood anyway, right through to the top end of Duxbury. So it's just a matter of keeping an eye on pollution. The major project is Ella Brook, as I keep saying. And then it's a matter of doing some further project with the schools, telling them about the river, how to keep it clean, etc. And we've got various walks organised for next year, which we do along the river. So it's just a matter of keeping it going and letting everybody enjoy what we've done so far and what we hope to achieve in the future. And I've absolutely no doubt that people are enjoying it. Hence the visit by the BBC and you recalling the story of the leaping salmon, which we mentioned earlier. From what you've already said, salmonids are not the only fish of interest here. Something we'll come to in a little more detail shortly. But to one extent are the migratory salmonids present and what of the spawning prospects? Well, that's the problem. We have sea trout up there. We know because the environmental has done the electrofishing and we've got sea trout in the top end of the river. We haven't so far found any salmon par. That's not to say that there are none there. The salmon are quite capable of getting up because, as I say, in 2001, I saw a salmon six to eight pound trying to get up. But so far, we haven't seen any salmon. Now, what the environmental agency said, if there's no salmon in the next few years, we might seed the river, we might put some fry in and um, see what they do. Hopefully they will succeed in the river. But we just want to get it a little bit cleaner yet before we take that action. Well, that is one of the plans to put some salmon in. To me, that's always going to be a worry, as it could affect the genetic integrity of any true yarrow salmon that might actually make it through. We would be guided with the environmental agency. They would presumably get the, uh, the salmon fry from the Ribble, which is the mother river of the Yarrow. So they would be indigenous to the Yarrow. Going back in history, some of those salmon would run the Yarrow anyway. So it's not as though we're taking salmon from, say, the Tweed and inviting them into the... They would be taken from the Ribble, which is the mother river, and seeded into the Yarrow. But that has got a lot of dots and crosses to do before we get to that stage. We're hoping that some salmon will find their way up as the sea trout have. Because the sea trout couldn't get up 10 years ago, and now we've literally hundreds of sea trout going up. Up to £4, jumping up the fish pass. So that is a success story. And you know as well as I do... If sea trout are going up, salmon will follow. Now, that's a double-edged sword. That would be great. But also, it could increase the amount of poaching and illegal. We have had salmon up. I wasn't going to mention it, but I'll tell you. We had three salmon in the Duxbury Fish Pass. And somebody went with a pitchfork and took them out. We don't broadcast the salmon element of it because people's they get cloudy eyes when they think of salmon. Unfortunately, we couldn't prosecute the person. Um, Environmental agents have said that if they can just catch somebody taking a salmon, then they would come down hard. This year, there could be salmon up there. We just don't know. The environmental agency do a survey every June to see if there are any salmon power up there, but so far we haven't found it. Picking up now on what you said about the Ribble being the mother river for the Yarrow, what a lot of people probably won't realise is that at least one source of coarse fish in the system, and possibly even the main reseeding source, was actually put there by me back in the 1990s, when the clean-up was just starting to get underway, 
with fortuitously fish in the Ribble catchment collected as broodstock for the then National Rivers Authority rearing project which I worked on to produce large numbers of chub, dace and barbel for introduction purposes as and when rivers like the Arrow cleaned up. And after keeping those fish in quarantine, then stripping them of the fish farm, many were released into the River Lostock, which connects to the Arrow upstream of any tidal limits that might otherwise prevent them spreading in from elsewhere. Well, as I say, if anyone wants to see any fish, take a walk along the Arrow. To see big chub, go and stand on the town bridge with a piece of bread. And of course, if you go to Yarra Valley Park, stand on one of the bridges and throw bread in, you'll see the chub come up and the trout. It's gratifying to see it come to life. And as I say, I'll reiterate, Charlieburg Council, United Utilities and the Environmental Agency and Fry have all worked hand in hand with local landowners to improve the river. Getting fish back into a river is one thing. Keeping them there and improving their habitat to ensure they thrive can be another matter altogether. So what are your organisation's current and future plans in that regard? Well, again, as I said, we have an active um, membership and they'll report any pollution, any trees falling into the river. But we always contact Darren from the Environmental Agency. We've got an obstruction and he'll have advisors along with the biodiversity group, as it's called, whether the trees should come out of the river, is it causing a problem? But normally we leave the trees as they are because it's a good source of food. So unless it is causing a major problem, we will leave the tree where it is because, again, the river is dynamic and trees do fall in rivers and the amount of um, insects and grubs that live on those trees is, is all food for the fish and the birds. So if it is a problem, then we get in touch with the environmental agency what we can do to um, release the obstruction, if they deem to think it is. We've had a few fall down in Duxbury. We've had a look at it with the environmental agency and we said, no, it's not really causing a problem. But the main thing is keeping on top of pollution and going forward trying to clean up the river even more. United Utilities, as I've said, they've got a five-year programme, not only stopping with, with what they've done now, but there's um, five or six major projects to clean up the river, and any pollution is reported straight away. And I know that from the diverse interest base of groups like Friends of the Yarrow, fish will not be the only wildlife success that you and your members will have been responsible for. So is there not sometimes a conflict of interests here? A balanced, diverse flora and fauna is how things should be. But as soon as some species arrive, others can start to suffer, such as fish from otters and even more so from mink, which not only kill fish but also small mammals. Any problems there? And if so, how are you going about managing those? No, not really. We have had mink on the river, but also we've got otters. And otters chase off mink. I have seen mink but I haven't seen any for the last three years. Now we know that otters eat fish, but there's plenty of fishing. There is quite a good run actually of eels in the Yarrow. I know when we built the Burkeacre Fish Pass in 2001, we opened it and uh, it was functioning, but unfortunately there was a, a problem with the top pot of the fish pass. The fish pass is a group of pots going higher and higher and higher, like um, locks on a canal. And the top pot was beginning to erode. We hadn't got enough concrete in. So we shut the fish pass off and we set about putting another, I think it was something like five cubic metres of concrete in, which is a lot of concrete. And the other pots were still full of water, but there was no water flowing through them. And we thought we'd just have a look to see what fish were in the pots. And we got something like 30, 40 elder 
in the pots. The fish pass had only been open two or three weeks, and we got all those elderly. And it was unbelievable, the number of elders that were in those pots, so there was quite a good run of elder. And eels are a protected and endangered species throughout Europe now. Exactly, and we feel as though we're, we're helping them as well, because they're coming up the arrow, and long may it continue. So what's gone wrong with the eels, I don't know, but as I said, in 2001, there was up to 30 to 40 elder in those pots, which was a lot, saying it had only been open two or three weeks. Having people like me, and more so the BBC, phoning you up for an interview, means that obviously you're doing something right. Something which hopefully interested parties on other rivers not as far advanced as the Yarrow can take as a template and repeat in terms of your success. But there have been more tangible accolades too, such as the Mersey Basin Dragonfly Award for Outstanding Achievement. So tell us a bit now about those. The Dragonfly Award we got in something like 2005-2006. I think it is a competition of the most improved river in the area. We had a judging panel that came up to view what we'd done and uh, we were fortunate enough to win. Mark Kelly was the chairman then. Mike was on the committee for the Mersey Basin campaign, so uh, he was well known. And as I said, I'm only one voice of Fry. It is a collective activity group from everybody, every member, committee member to, to just ordinary members. They all have the interest of the Yarrow and the, the cleanliness of it at heart. And one of our major tasks now is to keep that momentum going. And will that interest level also include anglers? In your opinion, is the Yarra going to develop into a good, well-used course or even game fishery? Well, we are an environmental organisation. We don't have anything to do with the angling side of it. However, Charlieborough Council have been advertising the fishing rights to the River Yarrow, but unfortunately they seem to have dragged the feet a little bit. There are people who go and fish it, and the environmentalists do patrol it, it is fished a little, but not a lot. We don't encourage it. But there are two or three angling clubs put the names forward to form a club on the Yarrow. And it would be a very good fishery for the right club. But it seems to have stalled at Charlieborough Council. I don't know why. Whether they've, due to cutbacks, they haven't got the resources to pursue it. But they have asked for tenders. I do know that. And just two or three clubs put tenders in. But there's nothing come of it at the moment. But it is quite, um, how can we say potentially good fishery for the right club. There is further down the river, Southport Fly Fishers. They have a, I think it's a two mile stretch on the Yarrow. They've rented some land off one of the farmers down there and they get some nice trout out. So that is probably the start. But Charlieborough Council owned the vast majority of the land from probably Eccleston through to the top end of Charlie. So they have got a big chunk of land there they could make use of. And I know there's two or three angling clubs putting the names forward, but uh, I don't think they've been made much progress. Why? I don't know. We tend not to get involved in that. Which is a pity, really, because I think if a, a good fishing club was formed and fished the Yarrow, it would be another under the sore eyes to watch for pollution. Now, we do occasionally ring up Charlieborough Council and see where they are, and we have done over the last 12 months, but they're still at the same stage. <laughs> So I don't know what the older us. But we aren't too concerned with that. We know that the river is improving, the wildlife is improving, the fish life is improving, and that's our main concern. We are not, we don't want to be seen as a fishing club. We are an environmental organisation. 
angling, the environment, or whatever. It's very much a win-win situation for everyone, and a beacon that's been held up for people to follow in other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah, we've been on Radio Lancashire, we've been on Countrywise NSA, we've had various um, articles in the local press, etc. So yeah, we are a well-known organisation, but we're always looking for new members. <laughs> and the Countrywise, it was very good and it showed the river in excellent condition. And I spouted a lot about where we got our money from, the organisation that had helped us, the people involved. But unfortunately, all that was cut out. <laughs> They didn't even say where the Yarrow was. They just said a river in Lancashire. They didn't say Chorley. And I kept saying, this is Yarra Valley Park. But no, no, they just wanted the nice shots, I think. Well, I think we can go one better than that here. And while individual names may not mean a lot to people outside the immediate location, the positions they hold and the organisations they represent are important because these will all have counterparts elsewhere in the country, which others wanting to emulate your efforts can use as points of reference and hopefully get the positive response that the friends of the River Yarrow have. My thanks then to John Bamford for sharing those experiences with us here.